Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. The wait is finally over. We've slogged through an offseason. We've slogged through training camp. We've slogged through preseason games. Sunday when the Steelers face off against the Niners Labs, it's going to count for real in the win and loss column. College football had their fun little day in the sun this past weekend. It was really cute of them. But the big boys show up to the playground starting on Thursday. NFL football is officially back. Couldn't be happier. Got that first day of school opening day kind of vibe to me this week, Labs. I'm, I'm full of excitement, if you can't tell. Well, um, you know, I read somewhere that last Sunday, you know, the day before Labor Day, was the last Sunday with no NFL football until <laughs> the middle of February. And that really just is music to my ears. <laughs> so we'll go from, you know, just using the weather, you know, as a possible, you know, as milepost maybe. You go from 90 degrees to, you know, snow and ice. And where we live, anyway. And thank you again, as always, to NFL football for allowing me an excuse to not hang out with my family on Sunday afternoons throughout <laughs> the season. So, I mean, just hats off to the NFL, always helping me out at every turn. And, you know, for this year, season anyway, no diaper changing for you. Exactly, right? I mean, Steelers are on. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm busy. All right. Sorry, sweetheart, I have to work. Not, you know, it's not like you're um, right. just watching it on TV. I'm taking rigorous which, notes. Or, or running the board for the, the pregame show. Well, we start things off on Sunday against the 49ers. They come to Akershore Stadium, that pregame show that Labs was mentioning. That th- kicks off at 11 a.m. on DVE with Labs, Prezuda, and Jerry Dulac. But we got a batch of questions to get to for today's edition of Asked and Answered, so let's not delay any further. Our first one comes from Bryce Kybers from Austin, Texas, and he wants to know, when a quarterback is in the pistol formation, what is this referencing? What is the difference between the pistol and shotgun formations? Okay. In the pistol, the quarterback lines up about four yards behind the center, and the running back in the formation would line up behind the quarterback. So, you know, it's kind of like an elongated eye formation with only one back in the backfield. Now, the shotgun, the quarterback is usually seven yards behind the center, and if there is a running back in the backfield, he would line up next to the quarterback, okay? So it's believed or claimed that the pistol formation allows the quarterback to be close enough to the line of scrimmage to read the defense, but also far enough away from the line of scrimmage to give him a little bit of extra time and a better vision of the field for passing plays. 
Ed Johnson from Germantown, Ohio, has a very topical question. He wants to know, what do you think about the Steelers signing Desmond King? I wanted them to draft him back in 2017. He was voted first-team All-Pro in 2018 when he finished with three interceptions and 10 passes defensed as a cornerback and had 840 yards and a touchdown returning both punts and kickoffs. I remember watching him play at Iowa and how he was always around the football. Um, you know, on the surface, I, I, I'm I'm with Ed. I mean, there's a lot to like about, you know, the Steelers' addition of uh, Desmond King, uh, cornerback, maybe slot uh, corner, right. maybe outside corner, maybe safety. The guy seems to have a lot of versatility. Probably why the Steelers uh, were so interested in him. Yeah, and, um, you know, he's experienced in the sense that he has – you know, over 4,600 defensive snaps during six seasons in the NFL. And he's still relatively young because he won't be 29 until mid-December, okay? Um, I also, you know, based on, and I haven't, I'm sure that Desmond King has come across, you know, my vision or TV screen or however you want to describe it previously in his NFL career, but I do not remember anything specifically about him. But, you know, looking at it, I would think I would say that it's an upgrade at the number four cornerback spot on the roster for the Steelers right now, which going into this regular season was kind of identified as a potential weakness. Um, you know, and King, since he came out in the 2017 NFL draft, you know, we know how the Steelers like to do business with, you know, free agents and that is that they use their what they've learned during the draft prep for when the player came out for the draft as kind of a baseline or as a foundation for, you know, whether they believe the guy is a fit, not only as a player, but also as a person. So all of these things, you know, are, are aligning nicely. Okay. But, you know, the, the proof isn't, will be in the, in his play. And, you know, I don't know what Desmond King's role is going to be immediately, you know, what he will be, will he even get a helmet on Sunday? Um, I would think he would, but, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guarantee it. So it may take a little while for uh, Desmond King to show us what uh, kind of player he is. But, um, you know, I, I do like the move. Yeah, I like it too. And as you stated, you know, it was an upgrade in your eyes as the number four cornerback spot. So maybe you don't need to rush that guy along. Uh, not to say he doesn't deserve a helmet on Sunday if he is up to speed enough to get one, but it's not like you brought this guy in to be your number one corner. You know what I mean? It's it's not like you're desperate to throw him out there ASAP. Yeah, but I, I having said that, I do believe we will see him on the field sooner rather than later uh, because, again, uh, as I mentioned, he has a lot of position versatility, so to speak, right. and you know, a guy like him uh, could be a good – guy to have in a helmet on game days keith miller from canton north carolina i am a firm believer that third down efficiency both offensively and defensively is a key factor in winning games how did the steelers do in those categories during the preseason okay in their three preseason games on offense the steelers converted 17 of 41 third downs that's 41.5 percent uh, on defense um they allowed the opponents to convert 13 of 35, which is 37.1%. So, you know, just to try and uh, give you some context of what those percentages mean, 
if you look at the 2022 NFL regular season, uh, at the end of that regular season, 41.5% on offense would have ranked 12th in the NFL. 37.1% on defense would have ranked 7th in the NFL. So, um, you know, pretty representative um, situation in terms of that particular statistics on how the Steelers did uh, in the preseason. David Costello from Roscoe, Illinois. Can you explain what it means that tackles are considered an unofficial statistic? I've scoured the internet trying to find a clear explanation on what it means. The league website lists a leaderboard for tackles. Does it mean tackles can't be factored in for NFL awards slash honors, Hall of Fame consideration? Well, okay, the, the, the main reason, talking about tackle statistics, the main reason why tackles are considered unofficial by the NFL is because the way the tackles are credited, it happens on a game-by-game -game basis by the home team stats crew. So, okay, just to kind of um, use an example. Okay, the Steelers host the Ravens. The Steelers stats crew assigns or credits tackles to the Ravens players. And when the Ravens host the Steelers, the Ravens stats crew assigns or credits tackles to the Steelers players. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that there's anything, you know, um, suspicious <laughs> going on there, but I'm just trying to explain why the league doesn't necessarily gauge these as gospel. You know, they're not etched in the stone tablets and walked down from the mountain by Moses. So, <laughs> um, and you have to understand that this happens during every week of the regular season. The home team stats crew is assigning or crediting tackles for the visiting team. You know, and you have a lot of, there's a lot of um, within division rivalries, bitterness. You know, you can go to any, you know, the, when the Jets play the Patriots or when the Raiders play the Chiefs or, you know, the Cowboys against anybody in the NFC East. And so that's why, you know, this particular category has remained uh, an unofficial statistic. Uh, and I don't know how, you know, you, you can get around that. Um, going over game films, you know, could you imagine doing that for every game, every season to come up with these statistics? And how could you get that done in a timely manner? Because games are every week. So, um, you know, tackle stats are... I think it's just something to take with a grain of salt at this point. I'm not a tinfoil cap guy, but I will forever be suspicious of the Baltimore Ravens scorekeepers for T.J. Watt not being the single holder of the sack record and not sharing that honor with Michael Strahan. He sacked the quarterback in that game against Baltimore Labs. Uh, some funny business well, going on in that booth. Let me and well, but let me say this: um, the Elias Sports Bureau reviewed that, so. I'm not. I'm not questioning your uh, conspiracy theory or fear of conspiracy theory or any of that stuff. But at least with sacks, you know they are. You know they're not that many. You know a tackle happens on every play. Yeah, you can go back and track sacks. Yeah, you know look over and because it was you know that one particular play that that you're referencing about T.J. Watt whether that gave him the. Uh, the sole possession of the NFL single season record or just a share of it, the Elias Sports Bureau was able to 
just look at that play a few times and make a decision. And Elias is the official arbiter, you know, and keeper of NFL stats. And so once Elias rules on something, <laughs> that's it. Uh-huh. So um, I, I get, hey, you know, I, I, I like the, I like the, uh, I like the hate, you know, go for it. But Elias and his bureau undermining me as I always do. <laughs> Sam Kennedy from Richmond, Virginia asks, here's another one about tackle statistics. If tackles are unofficial stats, what does that mean for sacks? Unofficial as well? Also, is there an established baseline among all of the stats crews for what is a tackle versus an assist? Okay, let's deal with the sacks first. I touched on it a little bit uh, in the previous answer um, to David's question. Um NFL, the uh, sacks didn't become a, an official NFL statistic until 1982, okay? So um, up until that point, statistic, uh, sack totals were compiled unofficially. Um, here's an example of what I mean. Now, the guy who is credited with coining the term sack was R- Los Angeles Rams defensive end Deacon Jones, okay? And you can look up, you know, Deacon Jones, uh, and there are also other lists of uh, all-time sack leaders that will include, you know, the pre-1982 totals of players. Now, Deacon Jones's career was over before 1982, so his entire sack total does not appear on any list uh, recognized by the NFL. So, but he happened to finish his career uh, with 173 and a half unofficial sacks, okay? But on the NFL's list, he doesn't appear at all. <laughs> wow. So that's a an obvious example. You know, there's all kinds of players. Um, you know, Ernie Stautner had his jersey retired by the Steelers. Uh, you know, Joe Green and a lot of the, you know, the Steel Curtain people. You know, their, their sack totals are not listed on any official um NFL list because right. again Joe Green's career was over before 1982. Just to pick, some, you know, L.C. Greenwood, another example. So that's that's the difference. Now, you know, as for a you know a baseline among the stats crews, um, you know, we can talk about it all you want to talk about it, but until the NFL comes up with a way to make those numbers official, that's all it is is talk. And uh, as I said earlier. Uh, I just look at tackle statistics with a grain of salt and especially assisted tackles. I mean, you know, (laughs) those can be credited, you know, for just a guy, you know, you can get a neighborhood assist, which is if you're in the neighborhood, a lot of times they'll just put you down. Because as I said, you know, there's a little bit of favoritism or bitterness depending upon um, you know, which home stadium you happen to be in and what visiting team you happen to be. Bradley Dill from Hermitage, Pennsylvania. I was listening to the NFL channel on Sirius, and during a discussion of cutdown day, someone said you could take a player from one team's practice squad and put him on your practice squad. I thought if another team takes a player from the practice squad, he has to be put on the 53-man roster. Do they change the rule? Okay, uh, Bradley, I don't know whether... Maybe you misunderstood what they said uh, on that uh, radio program or whether whoever said it was just wrong, but here's the rule anyway. Um, 
okay, Tom and I each have, we're each the owner of an NFL team. Oh, finally. So if, <laughs> if I sign a player from Tom's practice squad, that player has to be on my 53-man roster for three games. Now, not three weeks, three games. Okay. So if you, if you sign a guy over the bye or something, uh, that doesn't, the bye week doesn't count. Three games. And even if you uh, waive him, the guy, before the three games were over, you still have to pay him for three games. And the uh, team that signs him off the practice squad has to account for him on the 53-man roster until the three-game period is over. Okay, now let me just kind of make this part of our little example. I sign a player off your practice squad. Um, so if I cut him after a week, after one game, right. not only do I have to pay him for three games, but I also can only carry 52 guys on my roster for those other two weeks or those other two games. So it's very punitive. Um, if you don't, you know, there's no dabbling anymore with practice squad guys. If you're going to sign a guy off the team's practice squad, you have to keep him, you have to play him, you have to commit to him. So there's no none of that Tom Coughlin garbage that was going on uh, back in the day where he would, you know, sign um, players off the Steelers' practice squad, keep them for 15 minutes, <laughs> pick their brains, and cut them. I mean, that, they, they, they stopped that totally. And as I said, if you want a guy off a, a, another team's practice squad, you better be serious about, you know, incorporating him into your program because, you know, the penalties or the requirements are significant. Kurt Ringling from Charlotte, North Carolina. During the season, does the practice squad travel with the team on away games, and are they on the sideline and locker room during home games? Okay, this is, you know, more rules about practice squad. Um, NFL rules prohibit practice squad players from traveling to road games. Okay, so that's out. Home games now, there are limits on the number of people uh, that, and this is everyone, okay, not play this, that that are allowed in the home, in the the bench area. Okay, limit. And but when I mean by people, I'm talking about this number includes players, coaches, doctors, trainers, um, IT people, you know, with the, with the, all the, um, you know, the, the uh, tablets that you see players using. I mean, those have to be charged and, you know, maintained a little bit. So there's IT people down there. So all of these people who are in the bench area have to add up to a specific number, okay? And so for that reason, uh, home when it's a home game, your practice squad guys usually watch the game from the stands. Uh, they can watch it from the locker room on a TV, um, but on the field, probably not. And our final question today comes from John Mott from Sebring, Florida. And he asks, I remember when teams only had 40 players, but had something referred to as a taxi squad. How many players were on it? And was there a significant difference than today's practice squad? Um, yeah, I re- I kind of remember, um, something about the taxi squad, but I- I'm, I'm even, I'm not old enough to be able to give, <laughs> John enough, you know, detailed explanation about it to tell him what the specific differences were. 
from the taxi squad in the old days to the practice squad now. So the only thing I can tell you is I, I do know the interesting story about how it got its name. And this is back, um, it was during the, all, uh, the days of the All-America Football Conference, and that's where the Cleveland Browns came from. Uh, the Baltimore Colts, too, is, a, is a, just as an example. Um, and so, but it was Paul Brown, who, uh, who was the coach of the Cleveland Browns at the time, who came up with this idea. Um, you know, you could only have so many players on the roster, and, but he wanted to keep guys, other guys, that he thought were promising, you know, kind of build his own little minor league, right. so to speak. Okay. Now there were uh, salary rules in, in effect for the all America football conference. And so the way Paul Brown got around it was he had the owner, the Browns owner at the time was a guy named Mickey McBride and he owned Mickey McBride owned a taxi company, the yellow cab of Cleveland. So Mickey McBride would take those players that Paul Brown, his coach, wanted to keep in reserve and pay them from his yellow cab company of Cleveland. <laughs> and those reserve players, I mean, they never drove cabs or anything, and they never worked for McBride's other business, but they remained available, you know, in case the coach ever needed them. Something romantic about that old school sports when you can do things like that, like trade Babe Ruth for money to fund a Broadway play or have guys on your payroll based on your cab company instead of having to pay them on the All-American Conference payroll. I mean, it's right. really remarkable the stuff that they could get away with. And, yeah, you know, it's 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 um, and, and also having, you know, um, players who weren't making so much money. Right. I mean, could you imagine? trying to figure out a way to play uh, Nick Bosa um, not, with not a salary, you know what I mean, yeah, outside right. of your um, your revenue from, uh, you know, being in the NFL. I mean, so, yeah, it's they're quaint um, and interesting and uh, make up some pretty nice stories, but, you know, they don't really translate very well to the modern era. Well, that'll do it for today's Asked and Answered Game 1. This Sunday, 1 p.m. kickoff at Acrisure Stadium, the San Francisco 49ers pay a visit to your Pittsburgh Steelers. Labs is on the pregame at 11 on DVE. He's joined by Jerry Dulac and Mike Prezuda, and they lead you into Billy, Wolf, Missy, and Max calling the game for you. Enjoy Sunday's action. Labs and I will be back again next week with a fresh batch of questions for Asked and Answered. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.